Hey everybody, this is Jen Kleinhens. And I'm Rob Vose. And you're listening to another episode of Everybody Hates Your Brand, a podcast where we talk about our thoughts and opinions on marketing, from customer experience to brand and everything in between. Join us today as we talk to James Ray, CEO and co-owner of independent CRM agency Armadillo. So we are always on the lookout uh, for interesting people uh, to, to come on this podcast and, and to interview them. Um, people who bring maybe a different perspective or a unique viewpoint or work in a, an industry that we find fascinating. And I'm happy to say we have somebody with us who fits that uh, bill. Uh, James Ray, CEO of Armadillo, uh, an independent marketing agency based in, in Bristol in the southwest of the UK. For those of you who are listening not from the UK, James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to it's great to be here. Well, it's lovely to have you here. Um, and I think I think Armadillo uh, it, it is a really sort of interesting case study um, in the sense that uh, you're an interesting agency, independent agency, you've got some really fascinating clients. Do you just want to give us a bit of a, a discussion about who you are and who Armadillo are and what Armadillo do? Sort of set the scene, if you will. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I'm I'm the CEO uh, of Armadillo, but I've been there for an awful long time. Um, I think actually March will be my quarter of a century, 24 Good years grief. in one place. I know. Congratulations. Thought, thank you, uh, I think. Um, <laughs> so, that yeah, I mean, that, that alone is, is pretty unusual these days, um, 25 years. Uh, yes, yeah, so we are... Um, but we're a, we're a specialist CRM agency. As you said, we're, we're independent. And uh, since 2017, when we had a management buyout, I've been one of the three shareholders in the business. Okay. Um, and over the years, we uh, the agency began life as a small independent design house uh, originally in Bath. Uh, I joined in year five. Um, and through sort of luck, judgment, um, a fairly kind of swashbuckling attitude from our our, our founder, uh, one of our founders who was the MD at the time, we kind of tripped into direct marketing and direct marketing became CRM and moved from paper and postage stamps to digital stuff. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's how we came to be where we are now, which is a, yeah, a, a CRM specialist very results focused and uh, and and very data driven it's one of the things i like about armadillo and and also sort of disclosure purposes uh james and i worked together previously when i was at uh disney one of uh armadillo's clients but one of the things i always like about you is that you're sort of you unapologetically describe yourself as a crm agency which i think is it's not necessarily unique but it's kind of it's kind of refreshing in some ways well that's uh, it's interesting you say that because i think most agencies that i think are probably closest to us in proposition have come from being a direct marketing agency, which is what we used to call ourselves and what they used to call them. But interestingly, like you say, not many people use the term CRM, but I think that's what, uh, I mean, honestly, we go by our clients' job titles. Um, yes, absolutely. Most of our clients tend to be CRM directors. So um, CRM agency uh-huh. feels like the most appropriate description if we want them to know that we're we're guys that can help them with their challenges. Cool. And I, and I think it's, you may so you say independent and obviously you're one of the the co-owners as well as being the ceo that must bring some real positives and it must bring some sort of real challenges can you kind of articulate some of those in terms of the pros and the cons of what being an independent and by independent to be clear what we mean for the for the, for the listener uh, is not part of a behemoth holding agency like a uh, wpp or an omnicom or a publicist 
you know, publicly traded companies. What, what does it bring you that, that being independent, do you think? Well, it, it, there's, a, there's a, obviously there's a certain freedom of movement. Um, we are, we, we're driven as an agency by what drives me and my fellow board members. And that's, that's delivering results for our clients. That's the thing that makes me happiest. Um, it's the thing I get the thrill out of. So um, because we don't have to worry about delivering a dividend to shareholders or pushing a certain amount of profit into a into a group P&L. Um, we can pursue that fairly single-mindedly. Um, and so far, that's translated through into a, into a strong business performance as well. So as long as we get that right, we are, we're, we're free to pursue that. Um, so that's, yeah, that, that's definitely the, uh, the pro. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely some challenges too. Um, we don't have access to some of the resources that some of our bigger networked agency competitors might have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's definitely something in having critical mass for function, central functions like marketing where, um, you know, it's harder for us to, 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 to market effectively because, our, you know, our, we, our, a proportion of our revenue doesn't cover whole heads like in the way that theirs would. Yeah. But I think, you know, on balance, I'm, I'm, I'm happier with the mix that we've got. Do you ever kind of bump into that? There's one of my, one of my favorite phrases, I think I've I think I first heard at university, but yeah, the nobody got fired for hiring IBM, which is that you know nobody got hired for hiring the the biggest name or the um, uh, the, the biggest brand in, in a particular sector. Do you, is that something you you bump up against at all? It, it's hard to know because I think you know we we'll, we probably don't know about the times when we didn't get approached for a piece of business because yeah, so. that people haven't heard, heard of us, but. Um, when we engage with cli- with potential clients, we usually come out pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. The last the last pitch we did was for Carnival, um, and uh, we were we were amongst and um, you know my, all of our competitors there were were big networked agencies, and uh, and, and we came out um, winning that piece of business. So, indeed, I you mean, know, I, I, I think we you know when when we when we go toe to toe, we we do pretty well. Um, but yeah, we are our, our single marketing objective is to continue to try and make us more famous to overcome that 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 prejudice if it is there um, <laughs> yeah and speaking of of uh prejudice um in a sense that you are based in bristol which is in the southwest of the uk mm-hmm. and bristol is obviously a bit of a uh certainly even in the uk a bit of a hotbed uh, of sort of regional agencies and agencies in general um but obviously london has somewhat of a black hole effect you know it sucks a lot of People and agencies and time and all those sort of sort of things. What impact has being in in Bath originally, um, mm-hmm. and then in Bristol now? What impact do you think that has had on your on your growth? Does it have an impact in terms of like making recruitment harder or any of those kind of things, or is it? Do you see it more as a positive? I th- well, I, it's a positive, I think, but but there are definitely there have been some challenges. Um, I think in recruitment terms. Um, Historically, it's been harder to find talent. I think that's no, there's no question about that. But we have been very successful in finding great talent. And Bristol is a city, uh, generally, I think that is that has a strong appeal to people who've worked in London and are ready for a, a, a change in lifestyle. Um, Bristol, and Bristol is a very, very cool city. It's a really great place. It's got a it's fantastic nice vibe. It's 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 contemporary but chilled out. So it, it's very appealing. So we do get a lot of talented people coming into the city, which helps. Um, and we do have a very strong base of creative and technology industries in the city too. So, you know, all in all, that's a really nice balance. Yeah. Um, and, and and also it's, it's changing. Right now it's changing. So 
you know, we haven't been in a physical office for nearly a year. Yeah. And that's meant that um, I think three quarters of the people we've we've recruited over the last six or nine months actually haven't been in the geographical orbit of Bristol. So those geographical limitations on or, or influences on recruitment are definitely lessening as a result of everything that's happened uh, and the ways that we're now working. That's interesting. I think I will, we'll, we'll come back to that later because I think, I think obviously the current situation has been, uh, has affected a lot of businesses, lots of different ways. And that's an interesting, uh, interesting point. Um, sort of, it's interesting. If you read the marketing press, you would think that, you know, the agency model is kind of beset from all sides, uh, whether that's um, clients taking work in-house, um, whether that be from, you know, media buying or creative, whatever that might be. You've got large consulting firms moving uh, into the uh, into this world. You've got, you know, a lot of people seeming to be moving from retainer more to project work driven by procurement departments, that, that sort of stuff. How much of that have you started to see and and does does being a specialist sort of insulate you against that that somewhat you know do, are you seeing those same those same forces at, at play that's a really good question um and, and you're right those those, those forces are, are are definitely they're definitely out there um it's a mix. I mean, we've seen a mixed bag. We've we've got clients that use different mixes of our of all of the, the the parts of our proposition that we offer. Some of them use all of it. Some of them use just this bit or just that bit or this bit and that bit. So I think part of the key to that for us has been developing a, a, a sort of an operating model that allows us to give clients all of it, but also parts of it, and it still works financially for us as well as delivering them what they what they need. Um, so in practical terms, we've got some clients who do have teams in-house who are very good at executing their, their campaigns. So we might work on strategy and creative and then hand off to those guys and that we, we can work very effectively that way. We've also got clients that, that need us to do it all end-to-end, uh, everything from the, the insight to the strategy to the creative to the to actually piloting the campaign execution as well. So I think being able to flex uh, and, and, and be – I mean, not – I'd say modular almost in the way that we can yeah. apply services around what clients are already good at. Um, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't see any point in trying to sell clients a service that they don't need, but I, but I'm always really excited to give clients a, a service that can help them power up what they've got um, or add something that they, that they don't already have. I imagine that we talked earlier about the independent, that probably helps with that flexibility to, I would say, is that, is that fair? Yeah. I mean, it does it, because it means we've, you know, we don't have a, we won't get out of bed for less than X type of uh, uh, factor in, in how we consider things. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we still have a, the, the luxury of being able to work for clients that where, where just the work's exciting and motivating. Mm. Um, this sounds like a bit of a sales pitch. I apologize, but it, but it's That's true. true. Um, so yeah, it, it, it definitely ha- being independent helps that, but, but actually I think we've worked very hard in the last, particularly in the last year to, to make that model, a bit more scalable and in fact a lot more scalable um right. because i think it's it does give us a competitive advantage in truth compared to some of our larger competitors that maybe need to turn a you know a higher revenue offer off a client to make it work for them um yeah. we can be a little bit more flexible um and, and still make it work for us as well as delivering what the client uh, is looking for absolutely uh, so Thinking about those forces, what's the sort of the one thing or, or the one of those forces you think will have the largest impact over the next sort of 
two to five years? What's the one that you look at and you go, okay, that's something we really do need to to think about and be concerned about? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think it's I think it's techno it's technology, um, and that might be that might be you know uh, part of our conversation later on down the line. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, t- t- technology is the thing that is that that continually disrupts um, you know the, the whole industry and especially our bit of it. Um, I, I think what clients what clients look for and what they'll always need is creativity, and you know it, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, you know creating an amazing TV campaign, but it can do. Um, but in our world, it means fusing technology and data and insight and uh, and, and, and and strategy to deliver a, 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 a direct to consumer campaign that drives results. And it's it's the creativity and the use of all of those disciplines that we add that gives clients what they need. So as technology will change stuff, and as long as agencies can make sure that they're evolving how they do creativity in that changed environment, then there'll still be a need for agencies. If, if, if their application of creativity goes past its sell-by date, then, then you're in trouble. Well, the technology thing is an interesting one to me because I've you know, been involved in some big agencies and some big companies and small agencies, small companies. And, and what strikes me about technology is that, especially CRM technology, everyone's got a cloud <laughs> or mm-hmm. it's AI platforms like Einstein or Watson from a Salesforce perspective or marketing automation or all those kind of things. You know, and I've been to many and many a sympo- Adobe Symposium and Salesforce presentation where they presented these amazing case studies, all of which to me would seem a little bit artificial. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and I look at it and go, and there are numbers that show that the that, that clients underutilize the tech that they have. So people maybe their eyes are bigger than their stomach, or they've they haven't haven't set a strategy yet, but have been seduced by the siren's call of a of a, a Salesforce or an Oracle yeah, or whoever yeah. it might be. Um, is that so? You talk about technology being a drive, and I absolutely agree with that. But do you see underutilization within? You know, do people ever come to you and go, "Look, we bought this kit. We've got." bugger all idea what to do with it or or we're only using 20 percent of it or it's not even scratching the surface can you help us uh well in short yes and that's often uh that's often the, the particularly for an agency that offers our services i think it's usually what brings clients to us yeah. um you know we've 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 had pitch briefs that are riven with you can you can feel the anxiety about the investment that they've made in the technology and that they don't perceive yeah. that they're getting the um, they're getting the return from it that uh, that, that they promised to their own business. Um, so yes, w- with that question, and I think um, I think I mean that's a big subject, but I think some of those technologies, m- most of those technologies, are brilliant, and they're also brilliantly marketed. I would say I would plenty, of, plenty of examples where they've not been implemented terribly well. I think. Yeah. Um, I think implementation is usually the thing that has let it down. The other thing is um, is data. So I think sometimes, to you, I think you kind of alluded to this in your question. Yeah. Maybe clients are buying tech and are buying a platform where the capabilities are tracking ahead of the ability of the data that they've got to fuel it. So you're trying to run a very high performance engine on really low grade petrol, um, oh, yeah. which means you can't get it to fire as, as hard as you can. Because you just know all those presentations you see at Salesforce conferences are run on canned perfect data that they've yes. that they've created to create a live Absolutely. demo. And if you've just plugged in Salesforce into the standard businesses um, uh, databases, it would collapse in a small smoking heap. 
Um, yeah, totally. And, 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 you know, one of the things, I mean, I, I, I mentioned creativity earlier. That's been the kind of key thing that agencies still need to provide if they're going to stay relevant. And I think we've, you know, we've now got a team in our business who are, um, I mean, creative technologists is a, is a, is quite a hackneyed term now, but. but very Tony Stark of you. Yeah, I'm very Tony Stark. Um, I need we get a Marvel reference in somewhere. Always, um, always. <laughs> but what, what that team does is they find they are, they are creative with technological fixes and transformations and, um, and, and gizmos and bits of software that help, some, oftentimes help the tech that the client's got their side work a little bit harder. Or, or enable it to do a thing that it couldn't do before. So, you know, we're not we're not providing them. You know, it's other people's jobs to provide the tech that they've got, but we quite often do a bit of custom tuning for them. And that part that's that's as much part of our creative proposition uh, as our visual creative, as our copywriting, yeah. and our and our, and our, our, our UX and all the rest of it. Yeah, make things run a lot smoother. Yeah, you know, because it's, it's you know it's difficult for a lot of businesses, especially businesses with legacy systems. It, that it would cost a fortune to change. I remember uh, when I was in Australia, um, worked on a big bank out there, and um, one of the people, sort of senior people, said the reason you know a lot of stuff t- it's difficult for us to do stuff here from a data perspective is that we have really old legacy systems that we would love to rip out and replace with something fantastic that we could then just you know plug stuff into, but the payback on spending billions of US Aussie dollars to do that. It's years and years and years and years, and the average lifespan of somebody on the PLC board is three years. Yeah. <laughs> so no, no one's signing that off. Um, no, absolutely. We, we've worked with we've worked with clients who who you know to be honest have a much you know have a, are able for for uh, you know as a function of their business model and their culture are able to be you know more far sighted than that. But you know usually they they're, they still hit the same sorts of challenges um, with you know either either I'm picking a bit of legacy or. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've bought this cool thing, but it's not quite firing the way we want it to. So how, do, how can we, how can we untap that, that bit of, um, that blockage and, 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 and get the potential released and the, and the ROI to kind of start trickling out of it. So. Okay. Well, talking about sort of, you know, Tony Starr describes himself as a futurist. So I'm going to, uh, put you in his shoes a little bit now. Let's assume vaccines work. And by the end of 2021, we're somewhat back into the kind of real world. Um, if you were to look sort of five years ahead, where do you see Armadillo? Where do you see kind of... The, are we still going to be having conversations about personalization, which we seem to have been having in CRM world for 20 years now? Where, where do you see the the world in, in five years' time? Well, that is a, that is a good question, and I'm, I'm not even going to try and be Tony Stark about it, but... Uh... <laughs> Uh, I think, you know, what do I think Armadillo will look like in five years' time? I, I mean, I, I hope and I believe we'll still be following the same core purpose. We'll still be um, applying creative, original thinking to problems that we can unlock with data and and, and deliver return on investment um, against the money that our clients are, are spending with us for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to see a convergence of, if I think about the agency structure, I think we're going to see a, a bit of a convergence of in, in disciplines. Ah, okay. um, and by that, I mean, if, I mean, if you looked at our org chart right now, you'd see titles that are, you recognize from, from, you know, typical agency structures. And the, the truth is underneath that, I think our people are, are a lot more 
um, uh, sort of blended in terms of the kind of convergence of, of technology and creativity than, than the title suggests. And I, I think that trend is going to continue. Mm. So I'd be really interested to look at the org chart of our agency and probably many other agencies in five years' time because I think we'll see some different words on there that I don't think will be Tony Starkey in their, in their no. sort of uh, stupidity, but, but hopefully will reflect um, that, you know, technology and creativity and strategy and all those things coming in, becoming increasing, increasingly blended yeah. um, and, you know, having skills that where people are thinking about those things at the same time. And it's not such a sort of production liney to me, to you. We do the creative and then we work out what the campaign looks like and then we send it to yeah. the campaign guys and they, they plug it into Salesforce and off it goes. I, um, I just, it's a funny moment to me. I just want to see less friction yes. when you're developing a campaign. That's, that yeah. would be my sort of, because it's funny. I said, you know, we've been talking about, people have been talking about personalization for ages and they have, because it's, it's hard. It's hard to get right. And it's yeah. hard to, it's easy to mess up. Whether that's, so whether that's, you know, building recommendation engines that works or next best product stuff, or, you know, and then plugging that into, uh, emails that can, you know, or whatever platform you're talking about to then present a personalized customer. But like this sort of thing has been presented for years and years and years in the CRM industry. But the amount of brands that do that well right now, there ain't that many of them. No, you know, no. there's, a, there's a few you could kind of go, those those people do it amazingly well. You know, yeah. I would point to people like, you know, some of one of your clients, Disney, with the, the magic band for the passes and all that, you know, that customer yeah, experience yeah. or, you know, Amazon obviously is the one that everyone talks about as 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 doing it probably and even they mess up still. Yeah. But do yeah. some really positive stuff. I just to me, I just love to see what was promised work. <laughs> if yes. <that's- laughs> no, you don't you're feel right. like it happens that often. No, and and uh, you know, this is getting very philosophical now, but I, I think maybe one of the other things that those two examples you mentioned are both brands uh-huh. where there's very clear um utility and transparent benefits for the customer to share their data so they've brought overtly brought um by you giving us your data we make your experience better uh, and they've proven it um and i think that's the problem it's that most brands at the moment might say that but 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 actually the evidence to the customer is is pretty sparse um so yeah i've told you this and i've told you that but really you're just sending me the same email that everybody else is getting exactly Um, so I think that's, and, and I think the other influencing factor on that is, I mean, I, I'm I am guessing and and believing that uh, the the legislative impact, um, you know, across the world, um, particularly in the UK where we where we operate, I mean, I, I can only see it getting more restrictive around the use of data, which means that brands being able to give customers a clear proposition as to if you share your data, that we will deliver the following value back to you. Um, and you know a loyalty scheme is the classic way of doing that, but 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 it's you know there are there are other ways. That, so I, I think, think great. Yeah, I think that's where I think that'll be the focus increasingly. And I think you know other channels will be closed. I think some of the some of the current data driven channels are starting. You know, they're not going to be as easy to use if at all because the change in the way we're allowed to use customers' data is, is is coming and it's going to be legislated for. So so yeah, I think that that's all in the in the mix as well. Yeah. And even if it's not legislated for the technology company like Apple, you know, can come along and introduce a new opt-in as they're doing for for collecting data from apps, you know, and cause serious problems for somebody like Facebook, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, a universal opt-out, opt-in for, you know, that kind of stuff just changes yeah. the game completely. 
It does. And, and, you know, those, those will be, you know, technology providers like Apple will be, I mean, they've got a key part. They're probably going to be the biggest influence on what happens in the next five years, I think. Um, which is, you know, and that's, it, it's a couple of steps downstream from, from where, you know, we as an agency, we're normally engaged with our clients, but it's those forces outside of either us or, or our clients that will, that will actually have the biggest impact on, on, on what we're doing. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'd still keep the faith that um, oh, absolutely. as long as there's an opportunity to be creative in the space where, where there's data and there's customers and there's permission, um, then, then there'll always be a need to uh, for, for 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 a company like ours to add value uh, by yeah. applying that creativity to the to the challenges that our clients have got. Well, going from the sort of present, sorry, the future to the present, I think it's safe to say that twenty twenty sucked uh, in a big <laughs> way um, for pretty much everybody globally, yeah. and. Um, 2021 hasn't started off on a has started on a slightly, I suppose a slightly more hopeful note with with vaccines rolling out across the globe and what have you, but it's still pretty tough for people right now, um, and it's pretty tough for a lot of people from an agency perspective. And um, how have you coped uh, as an agency uh, with with the COVID pandemic in terms of things like coherence as a team working from home? You know what what. What has worked? What hasn't? What lessons have you learned? Because it must have been really difficult. It it has, and you know, the, I guess the most difficult thing, and everybody, it was in the same boat with this. There's there's no playbook. Um, no. You 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 couldn't you couldn't dial up several podcasts from three or four years ago about how we managed through the last pandemic. So um, everybody was we were we you know I think we all had to had to um, respond pretty quickly. Um, I think, um, you know, I mean, the first is luck. Um, and we have been fortunate that um, some of our clients had a, had, some, had a serious impact and that did impact on us. Um, it impacted on us, obviously, financially, but also emotionally as well, because, mm. you know, we have, we have close relationships with our clients and we care about them and their businesses. And, and you know, uh, it, it, was, it was hard to be, be working and talking to people who were going through, frankly, even even worse time than, than we were yeah um but overall the the impact we, we were lucky that that wasn't across the board i think if we'd had clients concentrated in certain sectors as i know some agencies do and did mm. it, we, it, it might have been tougher but we did have to make some changes um we we went to remote working like everybody did and we haven't been back um and we actually we we exited our lease from our office about five months did ago. you yeah, wow. we, 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 we kind of made a bet that we weren't ever going to need an office like that again. Um, so that was a, I mean, we, we, we made that decision quite quickly, but I'm, I'm really glad we did it because it saved us an awful lot of money. We'd be renting, um, paying a lot of money for a, for a space that would literally be gathering dust for a year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think remote working worked surprisingly well. Um, I never expected it to be as easy as it, as it felt like it was. So to begin with, everything worked really efficiently and it worked really well. And we thought, this is hey, this is actually all right. We're going to get this is going to be okay. Oh, I sense um, a but. Yeah, well, there is a but, and I, I think the what we saw immediately was an impact on efficiency, um, which went up. Uh, I think people were mm. were working smarter. They were working more efficiently. Um, they were they were much more focused. 
um, just because of the the nature of of working remotely and working through video calls rather than you know gassing away with your feet up on on a meeting room table as, as we sometimes used to. Um, and, but the but I think came through later. I think that we, we felt the upsides very quickly. The downsides, which were you know some fatigue, uh, I think some challenges around people's you know mental health with. Um, not not sort of adapting to to manage remote working in a way that was that was going to keep them you know positive and and, and sort of mentally healthy, and those came took a, a while to come through, and and then you know obviously against the background of the you know the, the situation constantly changing, you can go and meet up. No, you can't go and meet up. You can have meetings. No, you can't have meetings. Yeah. Um, but we've you know we've reached I think a good equilibrium with it. Um, when we've been able to, we've uh, we've given people a, a, a package of various different things. So we, the company now gives everybody a contribution towards their broadband because they're all using it for work. Um, we allow everybody a, um, a, a home working allowance, which is which is you, you can do um, against uh, taxation because frankly they all deserve it and need it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've got a lot of things going on which have come from not just from the leadership but also from the. From the teams about, um, for example, we've got we there's a there's a thing going on at the moment where four pairs get drawn out of a hat every week, and the company pays for them to get deliveries to their individual homes, and then have oh, lovely. have have one to one sort of lunches, um, which is just helping because uh, when you don't get together in a physical space, people who don't have to work together by nature of what they're working on don't mm. see each other. And that's yeah. bad because sometimes then when those people need to come back together, there it's the, the relationship's rusty. So, mm. so yeah, we've invested in a lot of that of that kind of stuff, and um, we will. Our, our plan is we will we'll, we'll go back to an office when the time is right. We'll I was about probably, to ask. We'll pro- is it a hybrid be model? Yeah, I think that's I think that's where we. I mean, everybody's talking about that, aren't they? Um, yes. And I, I expect that's that's the route we will uh, we will explore. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I, I, I may have mentioned this earlier on, but, um, we've been, we have, uh, we have been recruiting over the last six months and, um, quite a number of those people are, uh, are, are now from outside of our geographical area. So our ability to recruit isn't now restricted to, um, you know, within an hour drive of Bristol. Um, so we're going to have to have some sort of hybrid model because not all of our team are, are, are geographically centered anymore. Which is which is a good thing. I think it's it's certainly it's certainly helped our, our profile. It's going to be interesting when I say if and when things get back to quote unquote normal. Because I I'm with you. I think the hybrid model is one that makes sense. I think especially from an agency perspective, you know, there are some times when being in the same room, having a place for clients to come, workshops, all that sort of stuff, it makes absolute sense to have somewhere that definitely that can yeah. be done. Yeah. Um, but the the idea of then you know having the, the the benefits of that remote working model is as you talked about from a recruitment perspective is is uh is so attractive it's going to take a while i think for it to kind of to, for a model to settle in because i think obviously it was all it was forced on you like there's nothing you could do it was like everyone's at home yeah so you kind yeah. of had to happen and now it's kind of like okay well it'll be interesting to see you know, some people won't they'll go straight back to the office and it's going to be an interesting time i imagine the client what your clients do would obviously have an impact on you as well Totally yeah, 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, we, we, you know, it remains to be seen, but it's, um, you know, I, we used to spend an awful lot of our time on trains because, um, you know, we're <laughs> yes. Bristol-based, uh, but most of our clients are in London, so we'd be up and down the... Uh, on GWR. I remember you guys yeah. shipping into Hammersmith, the Disney That's office it. and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And that was that was cool. You know, I'd really like to see the inside of Paddington Station. I'll be honest. Yeah, it was. To be honest with you, it was nice the other way as well. It was nice to be able to come down and get out the get out of London and 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 head down there. Um, Okay, on conscious time. So one other sort of question. One of the things we we did a podcast on um, ageism uh in in agencies and obviously uh, i'm now getting on a bit um so relevant um but kind of diversity i think is an interesting issue across age for ages across the board from whether that's ageism sexism racism whatever it might be and combating those those things and trying to um get past them what what are you guys doing in that in that regard to try and create a more diverse because bristol's a hugely diverse city Yes, it is. Uh, it, it really is. And uh, I mean, I mentioned its its cultural signature earlier. That it is, it's a great place to be, and it's a really, it's got a really strong, rich um, cultural diversity that that definitely adds and, and is is a key part of the the, the city's character. Um, so yeah, as an agency, I mean, I think on a on a number of levels, we are. I mean, the first thing is uh, the, the the changes that we've just spoken about. Mm-hmm. And being able to recruit actually from from wider um, than our than our immediate geographical pool, um, that's helping. Um, and you know, we are we're able to kind of recruit and connect with with a much more diverse range of, of candidates. Um, so you know, we are we're, we're making positive moves there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done some things as an agency. We've invested in, um, for example, we invested. Um, not not so long ago, in putting a number, some of our key staff who are usually involved in recruitment through um, uh, an unconscious bias training program, oh, good. Um, so that we could could try and ensure as far as we can that um, that when we're recruiting, we are there isn't there, 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 there's the we're, we're trying to eliminate any bias, unconscious bias that's going on, so we get the right um, the, the right mix of people coming through. Um, and then the other thing that is that, and this is a reflection of how cool Bristol is, and I'm bigging up Bristol here, but you are. Um, we do have a very strong community of uh, of businesses in broadly in the kind of creative industry, which includes marketing agencies, but but also, you know, um, I mean, as you know, Bristol's got a very strong um, part of the BBC there, where all the natural history programs are made. We've got Ardman, so we've got a really rich, um, diverse bunch of businesses there. And uh, and a very very good uh, strong uh, body called Bristol Creative Industries used to be called Bristol Media, uh, who who we're all members of. Um, so the I think the other thing that um, that 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 is working really well is working with that body who is doing a lot of good things, and then as a community we're we're all connected to that and supporting that. So for example, BCI run a um, a program every year where they run a competition for for um, uh, a, a young young people from all sorts of different backgrounds to um, get the opportunity to go out to South by Southwest um, with the Bristol uh, Creative Industries team, um, which obviously sadly didn't happen this year because South by Southwest got canned yeah. and everything else. But um, and then you know some of those people have then gone on and they 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 do. Um, so we've had a number of those winners come and do stints, you know, work experience or placement stints with us, so that they kind of build up their experience. So so yeah, I think that, that, that those are the things really. It's um, I think we're doing some we're doing some good things as an agency, but we're also there's a, it's really effective when 
groups of like-minded businesses can pull resources yeah. or, or connect with a, with a body, a central body that, that, that they can support um, initiatives at that level. Well, I shall, I'll make sure we have a link to that, to that body in the, uh, in the show notes. Sounds like a, an interesting, interesting uh, idea. Uh, well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's been an absolute, uh, absolute pleasure to have you. So thank you very much for, it's for joining us. It's always a pleasure. And we only mentioned Marvel like once, yeah just the whites maybe i'm trying to i'm trying to mm, i'm trying to stop well look thanks very much james much appreciated pleasure cheers well you did it you've wasted another perfectly good half an hour or so with rob and jen and the everybody hates your brand podcast again you can find us on everybodyhatesyourbrand.com and your podcast platform of choice have a week take great great care and be vigilant (laughs) 